Geekish Cast, Episode 62, Dialmorph for Nerder, Part 3, The Remorphening. Hey everybody, a couple of housekeeping notes before we get started this week. We are moving to a three-day-a-week format. Mondays will be our regular interviews or special episodes where we have guests or commentary from guests. Wednesdays will still be uh, Geekish Cast Comic Commentary with Jeremy and Paul. And Fridays will be the Corner Gas Fan Cast episode with Jeremy and Jules. We've also changed our theme music. So I hope you enjoy the few changes. And if you got any comments, just let me know. Jeremy at Geekish Cast. Uh, you can find me also at the Geekish Cast on Twitter. Welcome back to Geekish Cast. I'm your host, Jeremy, and co-hosting with me this week are Paul Smith. How you doing there, Paul? Doing pretty good. And Doug Sirk. What's up, Doug? Howdy. And um, about a month ago, we actually had the the uh, cast and crew from Hivewire 3D in, and because of my own uh, technological ineptitude, the whole thing went over real well, and then it didn't record at all. So joining us this week from Hivewire 3D, we got Chris Creek. How you doing there, Chris? Hey, great. Thank you. All right, and Lisa Buckaloo. I'm great, thanks. And Paul Lassard. Hello. And Elisa P. How are you, Elisa? I'm good. Hi. It's Elisa Proctor. That's okay. Proctor, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I was going off the screen there. <laughs> and um, so for those of you who might not know, or if I can give a little context here, uh, if you were live in the 90s, Chris Creek did an animation of a dancing baby that was on Ally McBeal, and then after that it was everywhere for, well, the last 20 years now. I'm sure if you go on the Internet and search Dancing Baby, you'll find it again. So, Chris, let's start with you real quick. How did you first get into 3D artwork and 3D animation? Yeah, great. I was, uh, let's see, I was doing a bunch of uh, medical uh, illustrations for some local companies here in Utah and somebody caught wind of that somebody that happened to work at Viewpoint Data Labs and uh, Viewpoint was started as doing 3D content uh, primarily cars for accident reconstruction mm-hmm. that's being used a lot for demonstrative evidence and court cases and such the fellow there that was doing the anatomy, because they needed to put people in the cars and skeletons and body systems, was not. It was not his forte, and he didn't really enjoy doing that. And so he, he caught wind of me through doing this medical illustration, and they brought me in, looked at my portfolio, and and uh, hired me on the spot there. And so I started folding that in. I started working in. They were training me for uh, several months to learn 3D and to do what I was doing in medical illustrations, but to take that into the three-dimensional realm on the soft, on soft, through the computer anyway. And so uh, I, and after about a month, I thought they're going to fire me any day. I'm not picking this up fast enough. This is not uh, sticking. And then it started to work for me, and I got to a point where I was doing things for uh, teeth and gums being used for commercials, for Crest or whatever, mouthwash. And then I, I did, they had me do a heart, so I digitized this heart and did the outer and inside, and then all kinds of things. And it, 
And then um, a baby came across, um, and they were doing uh, standard catalog items. They would use it for custom purposes, most of it, and then it would end up in a standard catalog that they would then, uh, folks could, could buy, and then they'd still have to put texture maps and all kinds of stuff to it. We're just building the, the basic base cage and making that available. But this baby came in, and it was, I don't remember the purpose exactly, what the project was for. So I created this baby, and then it was that baby that that uh, Kinetics and some other companies got a hold of and decided to work that in, you know, with the animation and all, and put that on the Ally McBeal show. I don't know exactly tracing the steps of how it got to the Ally McBeal, but the far as the base mesh, the figure, the baby itself, that's what I created back in, like, 92 or something like that. And it was a really ugly little baby. It was an ugly model, but at the time it was like, hey, this is all right. Hey, look what's out there. And then it just kind of caught on as a funky little funky little creature, really, is more like. Yeah, but at the time, I mean, that was... There were not a lot of 3D people being seen by those of us in just the regular viewing public, so still pretty astounding. It is bizarre, uh, the following. And like you say, I mean, even now, you can still pick it up. You know, you, you got to dig a little bit, but... Uh, uh, you know, if you even just like Google, like the top 10 uh, uh, most viral videos or something like that, sometimes it'll still show up on things like that. And it's it's kind of fun to see. Okay. And then how did you get involved? I mean, for those, we're going to assume that most people listening know what Poser and Daz Studio are. But for those who don't, uh, Poser was um, a prop, well, the first one that I know of, uh, 3D artwork program where you could put in pose and light characters so, Chris, how did you get involved with uh, Poser originally? Okay, so um, so the, let's say the viewpoint days, 91, 92 through 94, myself, I broke off and started Zygo Media Group in my basement back in, I think it was August of 94. Had a couple other fellas join me a month or two after, and then two two more after that, so we had like five partners, and from there it blossomed, and we had <clears throat> quite a quite a crew there after after a while. But at uh, Zygote, you know, we caught wind of what was going on there with uh, with Poser, and I forget. You guys remember who owned it at the time? Was it Meta Creations? I don't know who owned Poser back in the day. But we we uh, we one of my partners, Dan Farr. Uh, he was on the sales end of things, uh, was in touch with the Poser group, and from there we did a first project for him uh, called Parts and Props for Poser. And it was just a bunch of hodgepodge of goofy little, like a tennis ball, a tennis racket, you know, bow and arrow, whatever, just kind of things like that. Put it on a CD and that and that sold really well for us. We're like, holy cow, we like the idea of doing product. You know, you do a service work and then you turn it around, kick it out to the customer. It's like, okay, let's get some more. And you have to keep staying in front of that. Well, the whole idea of this product on the CD for Poser, like, wow, let's do some more of that. And so they got us involved. And I can't remember. It's been a while now. I think it was Poser three, perhaps Poser three or four. He had us uh, 
tied in a bit more and, and uh, started to do figure work for him. And, and then we kept doing that several iterations down the line. It was a, it was a nice tie-in back in the day with Larry Weinberg and Steve Cooper, who were really our contacts. And uh, those were some really great times for us when we could really see the potential of, of a product where we get something out and a, a bunch of people, a bunch of hobbyists can pick up on that and find some, something of value and create art right out of, uh, basically out of the box from Poser. That's pretty cool. And so let me ask real quick, because where we're headed is going to be the foundation of Daz is going to be our next stop. Um, Lisa, Paul, Elisa, were any of you with Chris before Daz was formed? No. 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 Okay. And I just wanted to ask that so that way I'd, I'd kind of keep keep everybody on, on, the, on the board in front of me as we were moving. And so, Chris, then from Zygote, what did you do next? Zygote... Well, I guess that we had the Daz in there. Be, uh, where did the? Okay, so the Daz, Dan and I, Dan Farr and I, started Daz in. I'm thinking it was November, December of '99. We had five partners at the time at Zygote, and we we're probably 15, 20 employees. And we had a little bit of a divergence there, where Dan and I saw it was 60% of the revenue that was coming in through Zygo was coming in through Poser-related content. We had a little store up at Zygo where we had Victoria One that I had made and was working on uh, Michael One at the time. So we saw the potential there. When we first put out Victoria in a three-day weekend, I mean, it was phenomenal. The sales that came in on that, we thought, wow, we're on to something. And so... Dan and I wanted to really push that direction, and uh, the other three partners wanted to go another route, and so it just became apparent that was the best thing to do. So Dan and I split. We started, uh, and then those that were at Zygote that wanted to come with us came with us, and I think it was uh, five other employees from Daz had enough whatever oomph to say, okay, we're with you. Let's do this new thing. And uh, right away, it just took off. And uh, month over month, you know, it did well. And we kept the, we, we did the Michael one and then uh, Victoria two and three and, and so forth. And uh, a baseline of figures that seemed to, to do well. And we had a little building. We were, uh, we it was really meant for like maybe eight, ten people. We got to where we were that was stuffed. It was way too many people. Uh, and it was just hot and sweaty. It's like, we got to push out. And so we, uh, leased a nice, fancy, cool building and then kept growing and, uh, kept trying to put out some good product, uh, that supported content for Poser. And then we got reached a point where, and there's some story there, whether you want to get into that or not, where we felt it became time where we have to, in our best interest, to develop a DAS studio, so. Okay. Well, and let's let's see, because now, at what point did, you know, I'm going to keep asking this, and I can edit it out, or I can leave it in, whatever I need to do. But, Lisa, what point did you uh, get involved with um, 3D artwork and DAS Studio? Um, around the time, uh, around the same time frame, um, we got a computer, and just the natural progression 
of things and seeing the computer graphics and wow, you know, you can really, I, I always, I've been creative and artist, um, a stay at home mom on a, on a very tight budget. So there, there wasn't a lot of uh, budget for art supplies and things. So I was creative with how I did things, but when the computer came, there it was. I could do it all on the computer. I didn't have to worry about cleaning up the mess when I was done so the kids didn't get into it. I could just close the files, you know. So I I was one of those first people who bought Vicky One. <laughs> and okay. I, 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 was, I, was, I already had Poser. I was using Posette. I was um, hanging out in the Renderosity galleries and learning how to use the program. And then... All of a sudden, here's Daz 3D, and they have this figure, and I, I, I waited every week for them to release new content, and I was there buying it and learning how to make textures for things, poses, any, anything I could learn how to do, I was there learning how to do it as a hobbyist until I started to get good at it, and then I started to offer my things for sale. Okay. Uh, Paul, how about you? When did you uh, get involved? Well, um, let's see. I've always been an artist, and, uh, you know, after the military um, getting out or, you know, during that time, I decided to go ahead and uh, uh, get my animation degree and <clears throat> get involved that way because um, I've always wanted to be a part of uh, the 3D world. Like Lisa, I found, you know, that the computer, doing stuff on the computer was just very, very cool. So I went in and, you know, bought a computer and went to school for it. And, and um, I, as far as I was learning Poser at that time, and I bought my, my very first program was uh, um, Poser 3. So I got in a little bit later than uh, maybe some of the other folks. And at that time, I think um, it was Victoria 2 was out. And then, uh, so, uh, you know, from, from Poser, I got connected with the, um, with, with Zygote, um, first, and then, I guess it was, no, it was Victoria One, um, Zygote there at Victoria One, and then that's when Daz, shortly thereafter, was formed, and we were just like, oh, hey, you know, <clears throat> and, of course, uh, about that time, I guess Poser Four came out. And I got really, that's when I said, okay, they've got a new setup room with, uh, with their, you know, their add-on, and I can learn how to actually make this stuff and make a living doing it. And so, uh, you know, one thing led to the, uh, the, another, and I uh, really was studying to learn how to rig, which was really, really technical, away from, away from my art stuff. Right. Right. So it's <laughs> and um, I did a lot of learning, learned a lot from both uh, Rob Wisnant and, and uh, Ajax, as well as uh, um, uh, Nerd3D, who, you know, all poser users, big time uh, poser users and you know, delving into the code and stuff. So they helped me learn stuff by going to those sites as well. And then uh, I guess it was in 2000. I guess it was in 2007. I was about two weeks, two weeks from uh, graduating, um, and I ended up uh, seeing an ad for a new rigger um, at Daz. So that's when I 
It's like, okay, I'll give him a call. Does this have to be, you know, I spoke with the receptionist there and said, does this have to be on site? Can I do it from home? This and that. Um, I had already created um, uh, a very popular Griffin model. It was the one of the first, one of the first models that had the foldable feathered wings. And that's where everybody kind of started to know because uh, I struggled for notice you. Yeah, to, it just yeah. just to get some product out there. That was my first real uh, successful product. The other products I made, I couldn't give away. So, um, so a lot of learning there. But I saw the thing, and then I, you know, they said they get back to me, and I get this call from uh, Chris Creek, and you know, talking to me about you know setting up an interview and this and that, and and you know, so. Um, then I had a phone interview and I didn't even have to come out there. And they uh, basically hired me as a full-time contractor for that first year. And then I moved the, a year later, I moved out to uh, Utah. And um, so that's the, and, you know, joined the team at Daz production team. And I was uh, rigging an assembly of, uh, of the products, uh, generation Excellent. four stuff. So I was working <clears throat> on, um, uh, V4 was already done, but all the add-on characters and the uh, and Michael Four and all those add-on characters, um, I participated in building. So. Oh, excellent! And those are all very good products. Um, Elisa, so how did you get involved? Okay, well, I come from a different kind of different standpoint. I do have an art background. I my undergrad degree is in art education, um, but I did sort of general, just you know, in, enjoying our hobbyist type stuff. And mm-hmm. I'm not a content creator, unlike the other three, although I have done a little bit of freebie textures and stuff, and I've learned a heck of a lot since working with Pipewire. But um, I, my husband and I have a um, computer-aided design business, and he has an engineering background, and so we learned the CAD program, and then we wanted to have people in the program, and they didn't have anything that was really good, so I started looking around and discovered back in the mid-'90s, Poser 1, and got that. Okay. Never did a lot with it, but um, I just sort of kept getting the newer versions and learning a little bit about doing it from from more of a creating some art point of view as opposed to creating models. And um, then I, when when Hivewire was started, uh, they were looking for people to do beta testing, and I had done some beta testing at Daz. I'd done beta testing for other people. So I got involved in helping beta test Dawn, and um, our first product. And then uh, Lisa asked me if I'd be interested in doing quality control, and uh, started doing that, and kind of went from there. Excellent. Okay. And so, um, uh, Chris, let's go ahead and at this point, you've got Daz Studio, you've got a team of people working for you, and what was it that triggered the idea for you to create your own rendering software at Daz Studio? Yeah, so <clears throat> Dan and I, you know, we're doing uh, quite well, uh, we felt, you know, with the direction of things and the way things were progressing with uh, in the early days of Daz, and, uh, and then we had a some conversations and you know some physical conversations where where we're out uh, visiting the folks um, that owned Poser at the time and it's been so so many and I forgive me if I can't remember who owned it at the time but it was the meetings were with uh, Cooper and Steve Cooper and Larry Weinberg and 
then they'd come out and visit us out here in Utah, and it got to the point where where it was uh, it was suggested that we we needed to join their uh, uh, content paradise store that they were going to start and put our content sell it that way. And uh, and we Dan and I, it's just our feelings. We felt like we were being driven this direction because if we didn't, then some other things were not going to happen. And we didn't like the thought of that that we were now going to be um, perceived as needing to run our business under the umbrella of of uh, those poser folks. Uh, this that's how we felt. So we thought, no, no, no. We need to have control of our content, run it through our store, and, and do it the way that we were uh, focused and what we had outlined. And so we felt the best way to protect our content, because we felt like it was in jeopardy, uh, was, to, uh, was to create our own software. So we hired a friend of ours that we had worked, worked with in the past, uh, and he started plugging away, developing uh, Daz Studio. And uh, so our our thought from the get go was let's let's create this <clears throat> as uh, and, and make this a free application and and then uh, sell our content. And so that's that was the start of that paradigm, and it was a good thing for us at the time because it was the software was free. And we're still giving away some free content as well, but then, you know, you upsell on more content. Oh, sure. Well, the first rule of sales is get your product in people's hands. Yeah, so that worked well for us. You know, that was a good way to go. You know, we'd offer weekly freebies, and you buy this, you get this free or whatever. So it was a – and it, it took forever to get Dad Studio to a point where <laughs> – you remember the first – Time it was Taylor Wilson who was developing uh, Dad's Studio. The first time that he said, "All right, we got something to show," and he pulled it up on screen, and there's this just this black screen, and there's this blank interface with like, "Okay, what can you do?" It was just so. Well, look what he's got. You know, it was so it was difficult because it was so much under the hood, base foundational stuff he was building. We just like, huh, huh, uh huh. Okay, let's see more. Okay, when can we actually get our fingers in there? When can we start posing and rendering it? And it was just like forever. You know, we'd have to hire more guys, more programmers to help him, so we could actually get to a point where we could actually see something that was of value. Okay, now well, you can see it. Okay, but how do you pose it? Can we rig it? Can we, you know? So it just. Uh, how about a render engine? How are we going to tie that in? Well, ah, ah. It's just, you know, it's just. I, how yeah, go. I do have a question about the render engine. What brought you to going with Three Delight? Yeah, that boy. That's a lot of hindsight for me. So I, I don't know. I'd have to, you know, uh, Dan might recall, but the person who's really going to know would be would be Taylor Wilson, you know, and so. It'd say this we're gonna go this way because of this or whatever. It was probably free. You know, it was probably an easier time and, <laughs> okay. and we didn't have to pay a royalty, you know, and it was still uh something decent and uh and so whether it was compliant with the render man or whatever, I mean there was something that we thought, Okay, let's do that and so yeah, it was probably folded back to didn't cost us much or anything and certainly wouldn't have to pay a chunk of content because we weren't going to be charging for the software, right? So, 
Well, I, I'm not complaining. I, I think the RenderMan compliant is probably one of the best directions to go because it kind of became a standard. Yeah, I uh, think with, right there. And so, yeah, with you know, the uh, Disney having the uh, corner on that business. Yeah, Paul, you know, I mean, a Taylor uh, Wilson, like he, he knew his stuff and he was in front of all this, you know. He was the one shooting back at stuff about dual quaternions and subsurface scattering and stuff. We're like, what? What? What's that? And so, yeah, I mean, we we had to get a, learn a lot under the tutelage of Taylor, who would have to bring Dan and I up to speed on why this versus that. But uh, it was a really good foundation for us. And and in Daz Studio, what it is now, it's a machine. I mean, that thing is. Uh, it's a beast. I mean, it does well. I mean, obviously, all short, all software has shortcomings, but you know, they keep moving it forward. They keep it prancing in 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 front of people's faces and do a great job with that. And of course, you know, our content that we provide at Hivewire works equally mm -hmm. well in Poser and Studio. That's a big deal for us, and largely we're able to do that because of Paul Lassard. He's an artist, but like he was telling me about his technical, I learned rigging and this and that. You know, just like Lisa learned a, stuff, a lot of stuff on her own. Paul is like, okay, he'll pick up whatever tutorials are out there. But most of it, he was bushwhacking with the big machete himself to try and figure this stuff out. And because of his background with uh, Data Studio, it was just beautiful at Studio and Poser to to have him come into the fold, join the fold of Highwire back in February of 2013. I appreciate so, it. You're making me blush. Well, okay, but, but it was, I mean, really, I mean, sure, we do some models. Lisa's got some killer plants, botanicals that she's got her name attached to for, I don't know, 10, 12, 15 years. It's a long time. And, you know, I build a lot of the core of the high wire content, but it wouldn't even get where it needs to go. And Paul knows that if it weren't for Paul, because he can make it dance just as well in studio as it does in Poser, and the customers dig it for that. Hey, Chris, as an aside, let me ask you real quick. Do you consider yourself to be primarily a businessman or primarily an artist at this point in your life? Artist, yeah. Artist, business, okay. Yeah, the businessman, it just it, it, ha it happens because it has to, right? I mean, and Lisa mm -hmm. knows because she and I are partners, and, uh, you know, Paul and uh, Lisa, bless our hearts, are along for the ride. And, and of course, they are so much, so much of the guts of this, and they have some ownership in Hivar, but... Lisa, she knows uh, so much of my faults, and we just we have to kind of we have to kind of push through. But because of the years at Daz, that's brought about more of that business aspect. That's it has to be there, right? And it's not like I I'm a I'm a whiz through charts and graphs and uh, you know what a profit and loss and this and that. I mean that. Uh, it just kind of well, you have to have some sense for that, and so it was just we reached a point back in the day at Daz where it was like, okay, I either be a partner fully or at least as much as I could with Dan, and I had to kind of wean off of the content and trust that we had the art team, which Paul was at the time, to keep that content moving forward, so I could do the hobnobbing and doing the deal making and whatnot and hiring and whatever, you know, that the integral parts of running a business. 
Oh, sure. The actual management of the company. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So um, at that point, so you basically had or started getting Daz Studio worked on almost under duress from Poser. They were basically trying to bully you into doing business their way or no way at that point. So that's how you got there. Well, okay. That's how <laughs> you're doing a nice brief on, on, on that. I'm trying to, you know, skirt that a little bit just because I don't, we don't want to have harsh feelings now. No, 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 no. no. I, and that was, that was my summation of it. I'm just trying to, yeah, I'm just trying to reiterate in my own words for clarity on my part. I've got ADD, man. I gotta, I gotta get it into two sentences. Love it. You know? Love it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's only a couple seconds before something shiny bounces through the room and I'm on to something else. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, so what, at this point now you've got Daz, you got your team in place, you got your software started. Um, I know that at some point you left Daz and came back. Is that something you want to address at all? Sure. Before well, we, if you'd like. okay. yeah, 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 it was, uh, uh, well, I, <clears throat> it was 2009. I mean, it was earlier than that when Dan and I had some, some venture capital company that had, uh, that had j- jumped in with us to try and help give us a boost and add more value to what we're doing, try and get things going in a faster pace and have the monies we needed to really move ahead like we thought we wanted to. And, and then in 2009, we, we're dancing with some more VCs, another, a second uh, investment um, coming in from Benchmark and Columbia Capital and Highway 12, our initial initial investors, we're going to jump in again to help their secure their percentage of investment by putting in another round. And then there was a smaller group that were a consolidated group out of uh, D.C., I believe it was. Anyway, so, but along with that came another company, Gizmos, uh, that A.L. Giver was uh, spearheading with some of the technology he had. And uh, so it, it just, it got to a point where <clears throat> the interests that I had weren't quite, uh, they didn't seem to marry up well with where the future direction of uh, Daz was going to be going, and it was a decision Dan and I, it was fully in our hands. At that time, he and I controlled the board. It was Dan and I and, and a fellow from Highway 12. We owned the board. We could push it and pull it whatever direction we wanted, but this particular time, we felt we wanted to bring in that second round of investment, and that gave me an opportunity to exit. So 2009, in November, I shot off to do my own thing. And then through keeping in touch with Dan and so forth, in 2012, things had changed where Dan at that point was, he, he thought he was going to bring somebody else in on the board, you know, he, uh, you know to, be, uh, to be a soldier along with the other VCs. And the, the, the problem was, the VCs liked him so much because of his business background and so forth and so on that they suggested uh, to elevate this potential board member to just go ahead and be the CEO of Daz and kind of push Dan down into a different role. Dan may have stayed a president or something like that, and this guy, new fellow, was the CEO. So that's how. So that dynamic had happened, and then. This was 
February of 2012, <coughs> excuse me, where uh, they brought me back in to help with some publishing. So I was going to be, the, um, I was publishing director is what I was hired as. Actually, they hired, they brought me back in that they wanted me to replace an individual there that I felt it was the, the, their best interest to make sure he was maintained and stayed on with the company. And so they worked us both in. They kept us in. And then uh, nine months later, they birthed me out and said, Boom, you're gone. But at that point, Dan was already ushered out the door as well. So it was really the VC run the company through through some other folks there, very capable mm -hmm. folks um, that were marching Daz ever onward, you know, uh, revenue-based month after month. And it and that's how business is. That's how, that's what happens. Uh, that's how business works. You know, it's all loosey-goosey and it's family and we love each other and it's great. And look what we're going to do together. And you get to a point where, wow, revenue really matters. Wow, we need to be here and here and here. And then, of course, when you get VCs in, they got their money invested, and now they say, we want to get it out. When can you get us to a point where we can get our money back? You know, So, yep. so that'll change. And Dan, of course, doing his thing. He's a president and CEO of Salt Lake Comic Con, and then I've got this opportunity in front of us now with this core group to uh, – to develop and keep uh, Highwire 3D moving, and I guess it's uh, this August we'll officially have our store. We'll be up uh, three years and running, so that's good. Oh wow, that's pretty good. And 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 just to clarify, when you say you were forced out by the VC, you don't mean the Viet Cong. You're talking yeah, yeah, yeah. Practice, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I just yeah. wanted to make sure. So yeah, I, I just say, wanted to make sure. I say forced out. It was. Uh, it was, you know, Dan was ushered on uh, with how much force, I don't know. That was in summer of 2012. And then I guess it was November that uh, I was brought in a room and said, okay, we're, we're making a change and, uh, and, and we don't need, we don't need your services. So they're like, wah, wah, out the door. <laughs> so I go home that night and start cranking in on, on Dawn and say, I got an idea. We're going to make this happen because I found my passion again for 3D. And I'm going to make this happen. And then the next day or two, it may have been the very next day, you know, I'm on the phone with Lisa and she's, you know, she was, hey, you know what? I might be able to help you out here. So, so that yeah. was a tie in. Yeah. All right. So now, did you, let's. I, got, I guess we always got to be careful when discussing kind of like personnel changes and how people come aboard with you. So, Lisa, you you followed him on your own then, right? Yes, I did. I okay. I um, I worked for, well from two like two thousand to two thousand and two to get a product into the Daz store. That was my my goal. I want to get a product that's good enough to be in the Daz store, and I finally got that. And then I had an opportunity to join the Platinum Club to be one of the texture artists there to uh, provide content for a, a membership club. And I, I joined that and, and after a year ended up changing roles into commissioning content for the Platinum Club. So that's when I started contacting artists to make content and we would buy it and, and put it in there every week. 
So um, this went on for several years, and around 2005, 2006, I think it was 2005 when the first venture capital people came in, and you know there was some some changes, you know, a little little bit of upset, not really sure how this is going to go, but I I had gotten behind Dan and Chris at the, in the beginning because I I heard the way they spoke about what they were doing and it felt like something I could get behind and I wanted to give all my energy to helping them go forward and you know let's make this this company good let's you know and I was just there to do that and okay. so around 2005 or so it started to feel different when when the the first investors came in and then and there were some concerns and and we got through them but then year after year uh, up until like 2009 now Chris Creek is no longer there <laughs> Chris took a a year off and um well he well the story was Chris had left to pursue other interests so it's like oh no <laughs> you know Chris was one of the, the reasons why I put I had invested so much of myself into what I did because I believed in you know what they were doing and from there to 2012 it was just a progression of different events that made me feel like I was no longer aligned with who I am was no longer aligned with the company that I was working for and I felt like I needed something different but I didn't know what that was going to be or how I was going to get that and as someone who I work from home so I'm not there in Utah I'm in New Jersey and it's you know it's it's a very different environment when you're doing all your interactions on Skype and email so when Chris came back in 2012 we reported directly to him he was our I don't know what his title even was to us but we met with him every week to discuss what we were doing and in November he 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 called to say that he had been fired and to me that was that was the that was all I needed to hear and when he said that he was going to start something new and did it, was I interested? I said yes, and I have said yes every day since. And Excellent. It's just starting over again, doing it right, um, just sticking to the vision, the, the, the art, the why are we doing this. And yes, there's business involved, but it's not about the, the business. It's more about the art and the artists and the service we're providing. Okay. So, um, yeah, I can definitely get behind that. Paul, how did Paul take me through your story a little bit from Daz to Hivewire? Yeah, um, I guess in 2009, um, like we've said, uh, when Chris left, and then um, I, you know, still part of the production team, and, and nothing really changed for me there um, as far as the work I had to do, but. Um, the dynamic of the company definitely changed, um, especially when Gizmos 
came in and um, some of the focus was more on their technology and less on on what we're doing and so a lot of changes um, uh, you know with folks and I guess it was in 2011 February 3rd I guess I, I got laid off um, in 2011 um, and I guess the whole production team at that time got laid off they were gonna outsource and, and do something else to get the content and so um, yeah uh, at that point um, on that day actually um, uh, I guess it would be on the fourth I actually came in to get my stuff and I saw Chris had returned and I said hello and you know we, we had a little chat and uh, I was talking with other folks as I was saying goodbye he was coming back in and um, so I decided to start my own freelance uh, company, uh, CG Cubed, and just start making content. And I was um, selling that content at Daz, and Daz then approached me to do contract work for doing some uh, some of their DSON conversions because they went to their own format um, for the content. So I spent the next year. Uh, doing that uh, amongst other contracting jobs uh, for, you know, other small companies and, and things like that. Um, mm. And I guess it was it was in November that uh, Chris gave me a call and asked, okay, where, about you know, because we we do have a non-compete contract, or at least that's what I signed when I got there at Daz, and so I was still under that contract, so I couldn't be involved with him and um, I did let him know that you know kind of doing my own thing and and um, that my contract would be up in February uh, 2012 February 3rd so um, I guess it was I don't know it was probably uh, a week maybe a couple weeks after my contract Paul, was up. Paul do I have the dates wrong I think it was 2012 that you uh, were laid off wasn't it February 2012 do I have that wrong? And then in 2013, yeah, oh yeah, we're we're all like, we're all one year earlier. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's like correct. mid mid February of 2013. That yeah, sorry, I got laid off in 12. On, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then 2013, um, it was just it was it like a few weeks after you gave me a call and and today. Come on over. We want you to take a look at this because you were you started dawn that uh, that November, right? Yeah. And so it was a few months later, and of course my contract was up. And at that time, uh, well, early I guess at the end of January that uh, year, um, Daz no longer needed me to do any more contract work for them, so I didn't have that steady. Uh, contract that that the Desan stuff was done and and we were they were moving on and um, try to do some more for them but they went with you know I got outbid I guess you could say um, for contract stuff and that's when uh, Chris called me and it just happened to be good timing at that point and uh, so I came in and and. Uh, Said, oh yeah. So they hired me at first to contract me to do uh, the rigging on Dawn, and 
I guess it was a little bit after that or during that time when we were rigging. They said, hey, we want you on here, you know, part of the team. So that's what I've been doing since. So, okay. you know, good. Yeah. And um, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but uh, Elisa, so now you came in and you were offered a quality assurance role. You want to just give us a quick anecdote about, or a little story about how that happened? Well, I, like I said, I, I'm, I was a customer at Daz for many years. I knew of Lisa. I knew of Chris. I don't think I ever knew of Paul. Um, I didn't know them real well. I probably communicated with Lisa in the forum some, but um, when Dawn was about to come out, they were looking for beta testers, and I was very attracted by, I had started using Daz Studio with version 4, been a long-time Poser user, and I was very attracted by the idea of native Poser and Daz Studio figures, and they were looking for beta testers. So I got on the beta testing team, beta testing Daz, and after doing that a little while, Lisa asked if I wanted to do quality control work and I started doing that and then she asked me if I wanted to head up the quality control team so that's part of what I do and we all kind of um, wear a lot of hats, the four of us but uh, I create product pages and talk to the artists and talk to some customers and work in the forums and a million other things <laughs> so and get products out the door so so customers can actually get them in their little yeah. paws. And are, are the four of you, are you pretty much the, the main employees, of the, the employees of the company? Yes. Okay. So you're all, I'm sure, filling a bunch of roles. You're everything from CEOs to chief cooks and bottle washers the whole way through. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of bottles yeah. to be washed. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there's a lot of bottles to be washed in a small company. That's really cool. Let me, um, you know, guys, I appreciate you guys coming on. We're going to start wrapping up. Um, I do want to remember to offer to have you guys back anytime you want to come back on. Um, you know, I would appreciate it. I really enjoy talking to you guys, and I do appreciate you coming back on and letting us take a second stab at getting this interview done. Um, Chris, now that you've started Hivewire, what has been the high point of starting this company for you? Well, there's a couple of things, and that is that I've been able to play again with content and create content from from raw stuff. I mean, from a primitives, from cubes and spheres. That's how Dawn started. It wasn't digitized. It wasn't sculpted and then digitized. It was raw. Dawn was raw. And from Dawn, we created Dusk, and we created, actually, the horse started from Dawn mesh as well. And then oh, wow. we got Baby Luna. Uh, from the same mesh and then we've just recently I just finished the last morphs on our gorilla just probably half hour before this call started so our gorilla is a pure morph off of dusk so that creative process has been great for me also working with uh, fine folks like these others here Lisa and Paul and Alisa but to add to that We've been able to work uh, with, I think, 90-some, maybe we're over 100 now, uh, community or contributing artists that have done astounding work, continue to do astounding work, that we're able to represent them the best we can and publish our content. Now, it starts with the court with us, but extends out just a very small branch out to Ken Gilliland, 
who has brought every bird he's ever created over 10, 11 years, maybe it's 12 now, Lisa, that he's been building mm-hmm. birds of the world. Anything that flies, it's yeah. uh, primarily, it's getting into a bunch of insects, and now he's pushing into other nature uh, items. He's going to be doing more lizards and, and reptiles, but his birds are stellar. And so uh, the, having that with us has been huge. And also, because of Ken... He brings on Lori Prindle, who was CWRW, and her map work, her artist work, her artistry that she puts to anything. So we created the horse. This horse is an amazing horse model, and it's got, I don't know, 12, 14 breeds. And and Paul just wrapped up uh, and sending the beta tomorrow, our little tiny unicorn whisper, which is off of this horse. Uh, as a morph and all the other things that are added to it, Lori does these amazing texture maps that really make these animals come to life. Not only that, she's working on our big cat model uh, that we've got, and it's going to be amazing, and she's doing the base textures for that. So having her married up with us and can, and then you reach out from that, and then there's a whole other batch of artists that like what we're doing and with the and lisa may mention this in her closing statements this whole five c's that we create we communicate we collaborate and we commit and we care and we live by that and we do our best to share what we're doing with the community so that's a huge boost for us it's a huge boost for me personally as being you know one of the core members of highwire to get this thing off the ground and have other people see the fruit of what we're doing yes all right and i do remember now the first time we spoke you were very hot on your animals that you had coming up or out the i remember you, you bringing that up before so that's actually really cool um lisa how about you i'm going to ask you a slight variation on that out of everything you have done so far what is your favorite creation that you have made wow my favorite Oh, <laughs> there's so many. I can't pick just one. I love no? for all different reasons. Um, I don't know. I guess the most the most recent one because I grow and I learn with everything that I do. So I I I just I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a good answer for that. <laughs> Listen, That's I'm right. going to interject here because. The baby, the best thing that she's creating is hive wire itself. That seed germinated into this tree that is now producing fruit. So that's what I would add to whatever she's going to say as far as a particular product she's made is growing this baby that we're nurturing together. There you go. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty solid answer. And that is, that is really one of the most important things for me personally is to be able to say that I love what I do. And that is why I'm here, because I want to be able to love what I do. And I know from my own experience that the the, the 3D industry is such that it will, it, it can take advantage of artists. It can, it can promise, make contracts and, and for buyouts that... You get a a large amount of money every month to provide so many buyouts in this contract that lasts maybe six months or a year. And then when that is up, you have to renegotiate. 
Mm. But what happens there is that you create no residual income for yourself with a royalty-based product. You're just getting paid on your buyouts all the time. So if your contract isn't renewed or the company that you have a contract with changes something or goes away, you can't pay your bills. <laughs> so one of my big things in this is to help artists to be able to build their brands and to build strong brands from their products and how they present them, their imagery, how they interact with people. And we do that through our forums, through our QA process, through our, our, our you know, personal emails to artists. And we want to, I believe that we can make a, a royalty will pay you, a, a commission will pay you today, but a royalty will pay you for a really long time. So my mission is to have artists, help artists to create products that will pay them royalties for a really long time, build their brands. And, and, and that is, that is something that I enjoy most. I enjoy interacting with people, providing a service, whether it's a service of, advice or suggestions on how to do something, solving a problem, whatever it is, providing a service and getting a positive feedback from that. That is, that's what I, that's what I'm here for. So for me, it's not so much, yes, this is a business, but there's something bigger inside of me driving it that isn't just about money. Chris and I are not here just to collect money from uh, from brokering other people's products. We're here to walk alongside these people to, you know, Chris always says that the, the, oh, I forget how you say it, Chris, about the ship rising and the, the tide rising and the ship will sail, all ships will sail. That is That is kind of what we're doing here. We're not just doing this for ourselves. We're doing this for everyone who want who who sees what we're about and wants to get involved and create something big for all of us, not just for the people who own the company. It sounds like you're advocating for your artists as well. Yeah. And I think yeah, as as a smaller company, you certainly have yourselves in a position to do that. Hey, at least I'm going to ask you a question real quick. It's going to be a little bit different than that. When you are doing, uh, te you do testing. Is that what you're I, like a bit part of your job? Well, I'm not doing as much. I do some testing. I'm not doing as much testing anymore. My team does okay. the testing, and then I communicate with the artists. Although I do, gotcha. I still do do some of the testing. Yeah. So I have to ask you: Do you ever like try to try to just break something for the fun of breaking it once you get it? <laughs> we have a beta tester who that's his goal. Mm. Um, nice. <laughs> one of the high wire beta testers. Um, oh yeah. I, I mean, I you know I want to see whether things are going to work, but um, oh sure. I you know I I personally don't, but I I know I know some of our beta testers for Highwire. We have a, a beta testing team that Paul runs, who tests the beta tests the Highwire products, and then everything moves to quality control, quality assurance verification. Actually, as as do the the artists, uh, contributing artist products come right to us, and um, I mean our goal is to make sure that. The, that both the customer gets a good product where they're happy with it and they're wanting more and to make sure that the artists are taken care of as well. And that's a dual road that Lisa's always helping me kind of walk. And um, so 
Yeah, I don't know if that okay. answered the question. Probably not. <laughs> no, 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 it, it did because I was really trying to it, – it's easy when you've got an artist or somebody sitting there to figure out what they do and ask them a question. I was trying to really get a, a strong view of your position in the company and kind of the role you play. Um, yeah, I, I, I create the product pages. I My team tests things out. I assign the products to them. They test them. I do some testing as well. Sometimes I'll just test the product myself if it's something very – Elisa has eyes in the back of her head. She's everywhere. <laughs> She's everywhere. She's everywhere. <laughs> She's in her all the time. She's constantly. She's helps customers. She helps artists. She's like she's like the cruise director. <laughs> Everywhere. One of, the, one, of the, one of our contributing artists just referred to me as, as the, the mommy. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a kind of a mixed uh, mixed compliment right there, really. And she meant it in the nicest way. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure. Oh, uh. uh, and uh, Paul, how about you? If outside of your Griffin, what creation that you have made has brought you the most pride? Well, I, I think being part of a team as a whole, is, it, it makes that hard to answer. But um, I, I, I think it's always our latest creation. Yeah. Well, that's a good answer. Only because, you know, we, we grow as a team. We, we, you know, there's a lot of stuff, uh, you know, you take any one of us out of this mix. And I know Chris tends to give me a lot of the credit, but without all of us doing this, uh, it just doesn't, it won't get done. It just will not get done. Um, sure. But... For for us, as far as you know, creating, I, I'm I'm a problem solver, um, and and art is nothing more than a a you know a very, I guess from a desi- it's a design challenge, right? I mean, you're trying to come up with uh, uh, problems, you're trying to come up with solutions to problems that you know that things that have never been done or, or, or things that would be cool to do. And, and so for me, it's always the latest one uh, as like this whisper thing that I'm finally uh, getting to beta. Uh, it's been a long time coming, but it's because of the challenges of all the connections and how we've done, you know, we've got a whole rig main for this horse, a very difficult setup, but when you when you accomplish it, when I get done that thing and I'm just like, yes, look at this, and then I can, you know, take it through its paces, make sure everything's working. But in that way, I'm playing with it. So you know, when we, whenever I get to play with it after, seems to be that 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 great uh, satisfaction. And so you know, and the and the team makes that all possible. So it's good. It's good. Good. Well, there you go. Well, it's, I, the team is the thing. The, yeah. yeah, very valid answer, I'd say. Hey, um, real quick before we do our sign-offs, Paul and Doug, you got any, you got any questions? Uh, yeah, I got one that's probably off the wall. I don't know if you might end up hitting the sensor button. Is How <laughs> how is uh, Hivewire taking the uh, runtime DNA thing? Yeah, who wants to answer that? I can certainly give my sense to it, but... Uh... You know, we we've come to know Sid and and Eric, you know, uh, Traveler and uh, Comb. Over the years, we've all had formed relationships with them, and uh, we love those people, and we hope the best for them. And uh, we know Sid's uh, going to settle in great as her. Uh, I think it's visual marketing director of some sort. Her title there. Uh, so you know, that's going to be a great marriage for for them well certainly for for Sid and they've got a lot of artists that are attaching to that whole thing there's been a few refugees that not quite sure how that's going to play out and we say we welcome you 
come join us. We love your talent. We like you to be a part of us. And so for us, uh, we've gained uh, more artists and we've gained uh, a, a wider client base because of that. So, you know, we wish them well and we'll continue to do what we can to do, you know, to march on with our content. That doesn't change anything that way. Uh, the, the one thing that it has changed is that we've decided to soften our product submission process and allow uh, some latitude with the content that that uh, that it, that can that can come in and be on our store now. So so that's been good, and and people uh, are seeing that as, a, as as a positive. So. With this thing going on, I mean, it's it's brought about some some eyeballs, people going on. What's going on? Where's this content going to go? Where are these artists going to land? And by far the majority have went with that that whole hookup. Others have felt like, you know what, I'd like to go a different direction. And we're fortunate enough to to have some of those coming our way, which has really been good. Yeah. Yes. Definitely good. And we're we're working with them, helping them fast track their products over to the store, and I'm getting those into the store as fast as I can. Pedal my feet. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey Doug, how about you? Do you have a question for anybody? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> and then I'm gonna. Uh, hey Chris, why don't you go ahead and give us your website? Give us your you know, all the contact stuff for you guys. Then I've got one last quick fire question. It's gonna be an A or B to each you, and then we're done. Great. Yeah, it's highwire3d.com. That's our site. That's our store. We encourage folks to come join in and come in on the forum. You can get to it from there. we got a lot of discussions going on. We share content that we're working on. We ask for input. That's part of our collaborative effort we're trying to do so that artists can interact with us and say, and the customer can say, I want this more. If I want that, we'll say, great, we'll do our best to integrate that. That kind of a thing is unheard of. So, yeah, so that's our, in a nutshell, where to find us. Uh, we also have a Facebook, uh, you know, it's Hivewire, uh, Facebook, Hivewire 3D. And uh, we have Instagram. We haven't done a whole lot with that yet, but we will be before long. But uh, I, I can, if I can just say, too, that we've been very fortunate, well, we're a little skittish with Hivewire coming out, that we'd be uh, welcomed and the community at large have welcomed us in mm -hmm. and we were hoping we could set up shop and folks would find that a good place to go and and they have and that's been great yeah, for us awesome we, we love the community because of that we love our artists and those that are working with us it's just been spectacular and we hope that will continue to grow and just a little shout out to the qav team the beta team and our community volunteers who all do a lot to help keep hardware they really do, for sure. Thank you. Okay. And uh, so Doug's good. Paul's good. Oh, also, just so we know, uh, John, one of our regular contributors who helps out with this particular part of Geekish Cast when we do the 3D artwork, sounds like he may have Sid ready to come in for an interview sometime soon as well. Good just, cool. yeah, so we... We will be hopefully landing some good information and, you know, something interesting from her. But um, So let me hit my last question to you guys as we are running out of time, and I'd like to get everybody home before the werewolves come out tonight. Uh-oh. <laughs> yep. Uh, Chris, Star Trek or Star Wars? 
Holy cow. Uh, oops. Yeah. Star Wars for sure. Okay. Lisa, Kid Rock or Springsteen? Springsteen. I'm a Jersey girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Kid Rock's from Jersey, too. Oh, is he? <laughs> yeah, that's why I asked that one. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Paul. Yeah. Iron Man or Captain America? Captain America. All right. Lisa, your little lab there, or Snoopy? Uh, or Lisa, I'm uh, sorry. The Golden, the Golden Retriever? Golden yeah, uh, the golden, retriever. golden retriever. Yeah. Are you are you a big dog owner? Is that your only dog? He, Do you he have was something? my dog. He he passed. Oh, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. No, he he was our, yeah. he was our baby. He's a very cute puppy. Thanks. I can tell you that by the picture. He's yeah. A sweetheart. He was a doll. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, anything to say before we go, Chris, Lisa, Paul, or Lisa? Yeah. Well, thank you very much. Yes. Thanks for the thank opportunity. You. Thank you. Good, appreciate it. Thank, thank, thank you. you. Thanks to thanks to these wonderful people that I work with. Awesome. Yeah, no, thank thank you guys for coming back on. And seriously, anytime you've got something to promote uh, or just want to come on and talk, we are going to do a 3D episode once a month. Um, and I, you know, would encourage you feel free to contact us at any point if there's something you want to talk about. Love sure. it for sure. Thank okay. you. Okay. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much. This has been Geekish Cast uh, Dial Morph for Nerder Episode Three: <laughs> The Morphening. Oh, the remorphing. Sorry about that, guys. For now, you can find us at geekishcast.com. Our Facebook page is at facebook.com slash geekishcast. I tweet from at the geekishcast. Doug Sturk, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where can they look you up? Sturkwork.com. Uh, Paul Smith, how about you? PDSmith at deviantart.com. All right, guys. And the last thing I want to say is that I've got IMAX tickets for Batman versus Superman tomorrow. And if it sucks, I'm going to stay drunk all weekend. So uh, this may be the last anybody hears from me for a while. <laughs> Perfect. And I'll still see it three hours before you. <laughs> Don't spoil it for me. I've already got IO9 trying to do that already. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Thanks. Peace.